Chapter Four, The Creature's First Victims. On my return, I found the following letter from my father. My dear Victor, I hardly know how to tell you this, son. William is dead. That sweet child, who was so gentle. Victor, he is murdered. We had all been walking near Lake Geneva when we discovered that William was lost. He had been playing hide and seek with Ernest, but Ernest could not find him. About five in the morning, I found my lovely boy. The print of the murderer's finger was on his neck. He had been wearing a pin with a portrait of your mother on it. The pin is gone. Doubtless, it was the temptation that made the murderer commit this deed. Come home, dearest Victor. You alone can console Elizabeth. Your loving and grieving father, Alphonse Frankenstein. Within hours, I had said farewell to Clairval and was on my way to Geneva. My journey was very sad. As I drew closer to home, grief and fear overcame me. It was completely dark when I arrived in Geneva. The gates of the city were already shut. I had to pass the night at a village outside the city. I was unable to rest, so I decided to visit the spot where my poor William had been murdered. I could not go through the town, so I crossed the lake in a boat. As I rode, I saw lightning flash on a nearby mountain. The storm came in fast. On landing, I climbed a low hill so I could watch its progress. While I watched the storm, I walked on. I clasped my hands and cried out loud, William, dear angel. As I said these words, a flash of lightning showed me a figure in the woods. Its huge size instantly told me that it was the wretch to whom I had given life. What was he doing here? Could he be the murderer of my brother? No sooner did the idea cross my mind than I knew it was true. The figure passed me quickly and I lost it in the gloom. I tried to follow, but he was too fast. A minute later, lightning flashed again. I saw the creature climbing. The cliff was almost straight up and down, but he rose up the steep slope with ease. Two years had passed since he first received life. Was this his first crime? I had no way of knowing. I spent that night cold and wet in the open air. I thought about the being I had let loose upon mankind. What horrors would he commit? Day dawned and I hurried to my father's house. My first thought was to tell what I knew of the murderer. But then I thought about the awful story I had to tell. A being whom I myself had created had met me at midnight on a steep mountain. I knew that if anyone else said such a thing to me, I would have thought it the ravings of a madman. Besides, he would be impossible to catch. Who could arrest such a strong, gigantic creature? I decided to remain silent. 
Six years had passed since I last saw my family. Ernest met me at the door. Welcome, my dearest Victor, he said. Your presence will, I hope, console our father and poor Elizabeth. Poor William, he was our darling and our pride. Tears fell from my brother's eyes. Elizabeth needs you most of all. She feels responsible for the death of William. But since the murderer has been discovered, the murderer discovered? How can that be? Who could catch him? One might as well try to catch the winds. I do not know what you mean, said Ernest. To us, the discovery we have made completes our misery. Who could believe that Justine Moritz could have done it? She was always so fond of all the family. All these years that she has lived with us, she was more than a servant, she was a friend. Justine Moritz? Poor, poor girl. Is she the accused? But it must be wrong. Everyone must know that. Who could believe it, Ernest? No one did at first, but the evidence is strong. The trial is today. He told me that Justine became ill on the morning William's body had been found. She had been in bed for several days. During this time, one of the servants was tending the clothes she had worn that night. The pin William had been wearing was in Justine's pocket. On being accused, the poor girl couldn't explain how she got it. This was a strange tale, but it did not shake my faith. I said, you are all wrong. I know the murderer. Justine is innocent. Just then, my father entered. I saw his unhappiness, but still he tried to welcome me cheerfully. We were soon joined by Elizabeth. She welcomed me with great affection. Your arrival, dear cousin, fills me with hope. Maybe you can find some way to prove Justine's innocence. She is innocent, my Elizabeth. That will be proved. Fear nothing, I said. Dearest niece, said my father, dry your tears. If Justine is innocent, I am sure the truth will come out. But the trial did not prove Justine's innocence. She told the court that she had spent that evening at an aunt's house about three miles from Geneva. While she was walking back home at about nine o'clock, she met a man. He asked her if she had seen the child who was lost. When she found out the child was William, she spent several hours searching for him. But by then, the gates of Geneva had been shut. So she spent the rest of the night in a barn. She barely slept. Then, a few minutes before morning, some heavy footsteps disturbed her and she awoke. She went back to the Frankenstein home where she lived. As for the pen, she had no explanation for it. Elizabeth even took the stand to tell the court about Justine's fine character, but that did not help. Justine was found guilty. Two days later, she was hanged. I saw the deep grief of my Elizabeth. This sadness was also my doing. My father's woe, the sorrow of my home, 
All was the work of my hands. I was torn by remorse, horror, and despair. My family's sorrow was all my fault. Later that day, I wept upon the graves of William and Justine. They were the first victims of my unholy arts. <laughs>